seeking some more job opportunities. More stable investment has been the preferred asset class. Money for nothing. Good morning, hello and welcome to the first day of your business week. It's Monday the 20th of July. This is Money for Nothing and I'm Richard Harris. Your business headlines from over the weekend. Greek banks will open today to build confidence in the economy, but exchange controls remain in place. Trade finance in China is at a two-year low. The US market rises the most in a week since March, helped by a big jump in the price of Google. And joining us today... As our guest is our regular U.S. international economics correspondent, the unflappable Barry Wood. We have Mark Matthews from Julius Baer to take us by the hand and lead us through the markets after the excitement of last week's latest Greek debt solution. And our last segment is just right for all you budding authors. We have a special feature on the publishing industry in Hong Kong by our intern, Catherine Kwok. And our regular Monday co-host is Alex Wong, who's the Asset Management Director at Ample Capital. Uh, good morning, Alex. Good morning, Richard. Well, thanks for coming in. It's getting harder and harder to find co-hosts as we enter the holiday city season. Um, anyway, do you think the volatility in our markets are more likely to cool down as people go away? Oh, yes. Uh, if you look at the turnover last week, this is uh, very apparent that uh, we are seeing a lower and lower turnover. And actually, the range is getting narrower. Because right now, people are very cautious after the uh, intervention by the Chinese government into the Asia market. So people are not willing to chase, but uh, the mood actually has stabilized. So that's why we are not uh, getting a big range and turnover actually is getting lower. People aren't sort of jumping in the market, but do you think they're licking their wounds because there are stories that people have even had to sell their homes to pay off their margin calls? Oh, yeah. Um, of course, uh, uh, those people who are highly leveraged would, 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 uh, would, would be quite uh, damaged in, in this round. But if you look at the figures, actually, uh, Chinese investors, are, the number of Chinese investors are huge. We are talking about 90 million people. But if you look at the the ratio of the population actually then is not uh, too big. So that's why I think the economy will not be hit uh, very hard uh, in this round. Uh, somewhat contained. Yep. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to a little bit of news now. Greek banks will open for the first time in three weeks today in an attempt to boost savers' confidence. The banks were down to their last 1 billion euros in cash last week. Over the weekend, the German parliament voted the latest deal through and Chancellor Angela Merkel even hinted that extensions to Greek debt repayments might be possible. The deal includes a 900 million injection of liquidity into the Greek banks. The money isn't there yet, but banks are expected to open even without cash behind the desks. Customers will be able to pay in checks and pay bills. The withdrawal limit of 60 euros per account per day will be replaced with a weekly limit of 420 euros. Exchange controls, which are stifling Greek businesses, will remain in place. Trade finance in China has tumbled 20% as the Chinese economy has slowed and commodity prices fallen. Standard Chartered Bank reported that its first quarter trade finance income fell 9% in a year, after recording growth of 20% a year in the five years before that. Other Asian-based banks are reporting similar declines. The U.S. market rose 2.4% last week, the most since March. The S&P index closed at 2,126, five points below its all-time high. While the Nasdaq, which is the technology-rich index, broke its all-time high, taking it to 5,210. Market analysts like Chris Bertelstein of Global Financial Private Capital are pretty bullish. 
Gee, I think that they've uh, really cemented the bricks in the wall of worry. Uh, we have Greece behind us for at least maybe uh, six to nine months, and uh, it looks like Puerto Rico is getting settled. And, uh, you know, the more you look at the uh, environment, I think there's only one issue remaining as far as uh, uh, the market's uh, wall of worry is concerned. So what is that issue on Bertelsen's wall of worry? It's rising interest rates. How are they going to develop in the U.S.? It's going to be measured, I think, just right starts in September. I think they need to start to uh, correct the imbalances that the zero interest rate policy has. And I think you'll see measured 25 basis points increases up to 1% by the end of 2016. So uh, starting in September. Well, most market watchers are now betting on September, so you have been warned. In other markets, European stocks dropped a fraction to 3,670 on the stocks index. Asia had a good day on Friday with the Shanghai Composite up 3.5% to 3,957. Hong Kong was up 1% to 24,415, while the Nikkei was up a quarter of a point to 20,651. Google rose 16% on the day, adding $60 billion to its value on Friday and making its co-founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, richer by some $4 billion US dollars each. Google has promised to control its moonshots. They're the investments that cost a lot and are very experimental. Chris Lowe of FTN Financial adds some colour. Really, really just incredible day for Google shares. Up 15% today, 19% in two days. A, a remarkable run. Uh, and, you know, the news here is obviously uh, terrific earnings and a promise of, of uh, earnings in the future. But behind that is a transition with Google's new CFO. The company is focused on, well, I suppose you could almost say they've grown up. They're focusing on managing their cash better and returning earnings to shareholders and boy, did the market like that today. Hmm, Alex, uh, Google had a pretty decent rise. Uh, yep. They seem to be pulling things together. Do you think that's likely to see itself reflected in China tech shop stocks oh. like uh, Alibaba, Tencent, etc.? I think uh, it would benefit Tencent more because uh, Google Models actually is uh, based on advertising. And I think uh, right now, if you look at the uh, U.S. market, uh, big caps uh, technologies are benefiting from this trend because the business actually would be polarized and concentrate corner to these kinds of uh, giant company because if you are the advertisers actually you will pay uh, ads uh, on the most efficient channels which are those uh, big caps so uh, I think uh, it would benefit the big caps only the small caps actually would not uh, uh, rise too much uh, even uh, we are seeing a strong one in the index because uh, if you look at the US market we are not having a um, an across the board rally we are having a very uh, concentrated Rally, people are favouring those big caps only. Mm. Oh, are they going more for uh, sectors as well, like like the tech stocks? I mean, in China, the tech stocks have been quite expensive. People want to buy them, but they still feel they're maybe a little bit too too pricey. Oh, I think uh, ten cents. Probably by do probably would, uh, would 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 be benefit more because uh, they are more based on uh, advertising revenue, and uh, other uh, other business model actually are not uh, that favor right now. Um, so uh, as I've said, uh, people probably would chase uh, only the big caps. And and if you look at the the rise of Google, actually that was very spectacular because we are talking about sixty billion rise in market cap, which is one third of ten cents. So um, if this model works, actually ten cents actually would get some more upside. 
Okay, well, let's turn now to Barry Wood, who's our international economics correspondent, usually in Washington, but tonight in New York City. Uh, Good evening, Barry. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, Alex. Now, um, moving on from uh, Google, I I saw that you had an op-ed piece in um, MarketWatch, which is uh, uh, a uh, well-known internet publication in the U.S., on Greece. You had a slightly different view about it. Well, yes, I, I think I do. I'm, I'm somewhat of a minority. I think that um, if you strip it all away, all of these weeks of discussion about Greece is really about the Euro's survival. And I think that the message is that the Germans, the Dutch and the other North European, or you could say hard money countries, they have really resolved to do anything to preserve the Euro. If that means keeping Greece in and avoiding the kind of contagion everyone talks about, fine. If it means Brexit, fine. But the big story is you must preserve the euro, and I think that's where we stand right now. But if you have Brexit, then you're really talking about retreating back inside the walls, aren't you? Are you looking at maybe possibly uh, the weaker countries coming out and the euro ending up being a single strong bloc, maybe with northern European countries? Well, that's an interesting question, Richard. I think that only time is going to tell on how that plays out. It is interesting that Mrs. Merkel, the German chancellor, has a television interview on Sunday that said um, debt will have to be reduced for Greece. Now, that's quite a change for the Germans. But that doesn't mean all that much. The tougher message to the Greeks is, if you want to be competitive, you've got to do the following things. And that's very tough medicine for those Greeks to swallow. Well, so, so I can't predict if the sorry, Barry. If, if if the Greeks will be in the in the eurozone in in six to twelve months, but uh, they're in it for now, and I think so far so good. Hmm. Let's move uh, on to the U.S. because it looks as if uh, for a little while we will be talking less about Greece and maybe more about the U.S. Um, U.S. consumer prices rose for a fifth straight month uh, last month as food and fuel prices crept up. Uh, Janet Yellen has said she'd increase interest rates if inflation would go up. Um, uh, when you're on the streets and sort of uh, standing around the gas pump talking, are people feeling that uh, inflation is actually creeping up? No. They're not. And I think uh, essentially people are aware that uh, prices are stable. And you don't see consumer prices in the grocery store. Certainly gasoline fuel prices have come down in the last few weeks. So I don't think the average consumer is thinking about that at all. What they are talking about is that interest rates on a home mortgage are exceedingly low. And that's why you've had quite a boom in the property markets in certain key cities like Washington, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and many more. But if interest rates go up, and I I listened to your interlocutor say he thought that would happen in September. I disagree. I think it's going to be later. But if interest rates start to go up, that will get people's attention, and that might sort of bleed through to price increases as well as interest rate rises. But the feeling on the street at the moment, is it uh, relatively buoyant, just bearing in mind the fact that there's been quite a bit of good news, unemployment reducing, house building up nearly 10% in June? Yes, yes, I would agree with that. I think things in the States are pretty good. The employment data is fantastic. Uh, Economic growth, we get a lot of negatives on that, but I think the economy is going to grow 2.5% in 2015. I think we're going to have a stronger second half than we had first half. So, yeah, I see people with increasing confidence. They're making purchases. 
They're buying homes. They're buying cars. And uh, they're they're uh, they're unloading their pocketbook a bit when they step into the retail. So it looks pretty good to me, Richard. And of course, we're going to have some fun soon with domestic politics. I see over the weekend Donald Trump um, uh, had said he, that he wasn't terribly impressed by John McCain's five and a half years in a Vietnamese prison of war camp. Well, that's true. I, you know, look, Donald Trump is an outlier. And he gets some attention because everybody knows his name. He's big on television. He's a very wealthy guy. Uh, the political season in the States, which regrettably stretches on for years, is uh, sort of a funny farm. And we're going to see a lot more of that. But it probably doesn't say a lot about the political debate. Well, Barry, thanks very much for your comments today. We'll be seeing you next Monday as well. Uh, that's Barry Wood, who's the uh, international economics correspondent for RTHK, based in the U.S. Well, on the currency markets, the euro is now trading at a lowish 1.08 euros to the US dollar. The yen is at 124, the pound at 156. That makes the Hong Kong dollar $12.10 to the pound. Let's bring in Julius Baer's head of research in Asia, Mark Matthews, who joins us on the phone in Singapore. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Richard. Uh, Mark, we've just been talking about currencies. Let's have a little chat about currencies now. What's your general outlook, especially with the dollar first? Well, I think that the dollar, if you look at just the way it's been trading, uh, it went up about 20% uh, from the second half of last year until March. And since then, it's been in a band uh, for the dollar index which is the dollar versus major currencies around the world of about 95 to 100. And uh, basically, it was in the lower end of that band uh, for most of June, but it's starting to lift off now, and it's back at 98. So I would imagine it stays in this band between now and the end of the year, uh, because on the one hand, uh, we do have the Fed, which looks very likely to raise rates, in my opinion, in September. Four out of five private economists are now expecting that. But on the other hand, the European economy is accelerating at a um, much faster rate than had been anticipated. And uh, generally speaking, a strong eco economy should have a strong currency. In fact, when you look back at it, the U.S. dollar, dollar bottomed in 2011 when they were still doing lots of quantitative easing. They didn't end that until last year. So my sense is, uh, sorry to be a bit boring, uh, pretty range-bound currencies for the remainder of this year. You don't think we could see a stronger dollar as a result of interest rates and a weaker euro as a result of what's been happening with Greece? One would think intuitively the euro should be weak, but I go back to what I said, which was that the uh, markets have a way of pricing things in, and the dollar uh, actually bottomed uh, in 2011, uh, three years before they added quantitative easing. I don't see why the euro couldn't bottom around now, uh, you know, well in advance of when their QE program ends, and it's not going to end at the earliest until September of next year. Yeah, which could be interesting. So that would keep the U.S. dollar rise in check, which would probably be reasonably good for sentiment for the U.S. market. I don't think uh, it's incongruous for the dollar and the stock market to move higher. Actually, if you look at the last time there was a very big bull market of the dollar, uh, it was 20 years ago in the Clinton years. And uh, that was a very strong time for 
the uh, stock market uh, and uh, and the economy, but you did have a strong dollar and you did have a rising rate environment. So I, I wouldn't mind uh, even if the dollar uh, continued its slow and steady rise. And I, I do think that um, over time the dollar should appreciate, but uh, I don't see it happening between now and the remainder of the year. Uh, Alex, closer to home, have you got any thoughts on the renminbi? It... Um well, China's had a fairly weak period. It's been interesting that the renminbi has tracked the dollar almost uh, tick for tick. Oh, but uh, renminbi actually is a, um, you can say, is a, is a sort of a manipulated uh, currency or, or the perception actually is manipulated, I think. Uh, the Chinese government would try to keep it stable because given the turmoil in the stock market, actually they could not let the renminbi uh, depreciate. I think because of that would um, make uh, a lot of uh, people want to move out of the renminbi, I mean the Chinese people. So I've, that's why renminbi was uh, very stable. And of, of course the upcoming decision on the uh, SDR um, special drawing rights actually would, would also play a part. So that's why renminbi would be very stable in the meantime, I think. And I guess, Mark, you're thinking similar sort of thing. Similar sort of thing. I think, especially with all the chaos in the stock market in China, they, they'll want to uh, have a sense of decorum and stability uh, as much as they can, and including in the currency. And uh, my feeling on the renminbi has always been, much as Alex said, that it's a political rather than an economic conversation in the sense that they do want it to become a major reserve currency of the world. And you won't achieve that by having it very volatile or by having it go down. So mm. the best way to achieve that is a slow and steady appreciation. Mm. And I see the yen is weakened to touch, now 124. What's your view on the yen looking further out? Um, I think that uh, actually if you listen to the various people uh, in Japan who decide on, 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 on policy, uh, Abe's chief economic advisor said back in April he felt that at 120 it was uh, a, a decent level and uh, the latest uh, governor, the, the new governor at the uh, Bank of Japan said last month, Haruka, Haruka I think is his name, that um, uh, they're you know very competitive at this level, and they don't need to depreciate. And Kuroda said the same. So some important people in Japan are signaling that they're very happy with it at uh, 120 thereabouts. I think it's 123 now. But if it goes lower, they won't stand in the way of that. I don't think mm. they, they they wouldn't mind it going lower because you know Japan Inc is calibrated to make a profit at 80 end of the dollar. So you can imagine how profitable they are now. Uh, 123. Um, I, I think uh, they they won't force it down anymore. But if it falls, they won't stop it either. And I would say it should gradually lessen if the dollar you know, gradually appreciates, which it should. Hmm. Uh, Mark, just finally, what are your uh, key likes at the moment? What's Julius Baird telling its clients? Uh, well, I think that we're seeing a stealth uh, rally in the European stock markets now, uh, as most people are away on holiday. But the Greek issue is resolved, and uh, what we're seeing, you know, almost every week, some very impressive data comes out from Germany or France or, or Italy or Spain, uh, really reinforcing the idea that uh, these economies bottomed and we're starting to recover back in the fourth quarter of last year. And the quantitative easing that the ECB came in with in January just turbocharged that. So I think we're going to get easily another 5% uh, you know, in the summer uh, in Europe. Um, and uh, beyond that, um, I, I, I hate to be boring, but 
Um, I feel like uh, the world is, is a largely unexciting place. The economies of the world are doing just fine, but um, stocks and bonds are both quite expensive in many parts of the world, including in the United States. And I would see largely range-bound markets between now and the end of the year. Well, boring is sometimes good when you've been through a, a big crisis. Anyway, Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. That's Mark Matthews, Head of Research of Julius Baer uh, in Singapore. I was born in 1990 and have grown up with the basic law. Over the past 25 years, I learned about one country, two systems, and gained a better understanding of mainland Hong Kong relations. I witnessed our return to the motherland and the successful implementation of the basic law, which provides us with unique strengths. With the basic law, I believe Hong Kong will continue to be prosperous and stable, forging ahead towards a brighter future. The 25th anniversary of the basic law promulgation. Well, judging by the size of the queues waiting to get into the very popular book fair in Hong Kong last week, there are a lot of wannabe authors out there. Certainly a lot of people thirsting for knowledge. Hong Kong's been long known as a printing centre, but is less well known as a publishing centre, especially in English. Our intern, Catherine Kwok, has been poking around behind the scenes in the publishing industry and spoke to a local author and a publisher to find out more. has witnessed the end of quite a few prominent English bookstores in Hong Kong, with the shutting down of Causeway Bay's Page One Books and the Dim Exchange closing their doors for good. What Hong Kongers don't see, though, is what's actually happening behind the scenes in the English publishing industry. Children's fiction author Jane Hung highlights some of the issues. Well, we live in a very monocultural society now. 94% of, of people are Chinese. A lot of the publishers are focusing on Chinese language. Another issue, of course, is digitization, which is a global phenomenon. We know in Hong Kong, bookshops have closed here, um, that a lot of children are, are looking for iPad and tablet formats. Maybe a lot of Asian children and their parents, I mean, they, they feel that they should be reading non-fiction or textbooks. And, of course, the huge issue also is that English isn't, a you know, the native language here. Pragmatically, and Hong Kong people are very pragmatic, probably um, it's more valuable to actually be learning Putonghua now than English. Despite the difficulties, Hong recently published a young adult novel, Blood Swell, with Commercial Press, one of the most established publishing houses in Hong Kong. Securing a publisher, however, doesn't ensure authors that their books will get to readers. The reality is, even in mature markets, writers are expected to do a lot of marketing. If you really want a, a, a good seller, you know, uh, then you do have to make a, a big effort. Um, you have to have a social media presence, you have to go out and about. For me, and I'll just speak for myself, because there are many writers in many different situations. Um, I think the bottom line is that um, whoever you are, you can't really expect to um, earn respectable income from writing and publishing children's books. But um, there is a demand for it. Uh, sorry, there is a, a need, not necessarily the demand, but potentially there is if, if the book is there. Pete Sperrier is the publisher of Blacksmith Books, a Hong Kong-based company that publishes China-focused English nonfiction. He shares Hong's focus on local culture and stories. I'd say you have to um, have a real desire 
to work in this industry to publish books in the first place because it's not something you're going to make instant returns from. Over the past 10 years, I've seen several companies start up publishing and then stop because they didn't seem to find uh, a rhythm or find their niche. Uh, it's very difficult to make a book work these days with so much competition and so many other books out there. Spurrier is lucky to have found a niche for his publishing company in Hong Kong's small English market. Like Hung, he believes that promoting each book takes a lot of time and effort, which is why he only publishes around 12 books a year, despite receiving almost four manuscripts every day. The good news is that his books are sold beyond Hong Kong's borders. About half our sales come from Hong Kong, and then about 30% from North America, and the rest all, all different markets around the world, which, which really helps because sometimes you'll publish a book and you think it's great, this is really going to work, and in one market it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't um, uh, match what people are looking for. And you think, oh no, all, all that time and effort, you know, wasted. But then in another market, it's really popular. So having more than one basket to put your eggs in really does help. So we've heard from an author and a publisher. Now, how do bookstores factor into the equation? So for me, book sales have been quite stable over the past few years. Uh, no matter what the economy has been like outside Hong Kong, here it's been rather stable. If book sales are stable, but bookshop rents are going up, then of course that's a problem. How can they cope? We do need bookshops, certainly. I think that's the, um, uh, the, the, the it's very important that we keep them. You know, that's why I'm worried about rising rents in Hong Kong, that, that you, you lose that um, sort of showroom aspects of, of bookshops and where people might discover a book by accident you know they'll wander in just because they've got half an hour spare before a lunch meeting go to the bookshop see what see what's new you wouldn't necessarily discover those same books on a website as jane hung and pete sperrier noted hong kong's english publishing industry and market are both quite small and the decreasing number of bookstores may usher in even lower book sales in order to adapt, writers and publishers alike have sought to translate their works to Chinese, ship globally, publish digitally, and so on. Despite their difficulties, however, both Hong and Sperrier are positive about their future in English publishing. This is Catherine Kwok for Money for Nothing. Well, thank you, Catherine. Nice little report there. Uh, markets are open at the moment. Australia and Seoul, they're both uh, looking very Monday morning-ish, uh, down just uh, a touch. Um, Alex, to close us up today, um, what are the sort of the bets that you're looking at? Oh, I think uh, still technology uh, uh, in Hong Kong. I think uh, probably Tencent would follow the strength of Google. And uh, the Hong Kong market actually probably would go um, higher in low turnover, I think, because the sentiment has uh, stabilized and we actually got a lot of short sellers uh, last week. So probably we would see some kind of short covering uh, rise uh, in Hong Kong. But uh, people would be still would still be cautious. So that's why turnover would remain low. Good. Thanks, Alex. Uh, so uh, cautiously, but uh, maybe mildly uh, uh, on the on the bullish trend. Well, thanks very much. That's Alex Wong, uh, who's Asset Management Director at Ample Capital. Um, uh, thank you very much for joining us on Money for Nothing today. I'm Richard Harris. Uh, the weather report is mainly cloudy with a few showers and thunderstorms, moderate to fresh easterly winds. Showers will become more frequent as southwesterlies strengthen later. The maximum temperature will be around 30 degrees. The outlook, showers will be heavy at times tomorrow. and Weather will remain unsettled in the following few days, so make sure that you have your umbrella. And don't forget uh, our podcasts and also our Facebook page if you want to follow up anything that you heard today. Now stay tuned for Peter Lewis and Biz Extra, but first the news read by Samantha Butler. 
A Japanese company, Mitsubishi, has made a landmark apology for using American prisoners of war as forced labor during World War II. A senior company executive, Hikaru Kimura, expressed remorse that prisoners had been put to work in the firm's mines. It's believed to be the first such apology by a Japanese company. One of the few surviving former U.S. prisoners forced to work in Japan accepted the apology. James Murphy, who's 94, said it was a glorious day for which he'd waited 70 years. I listened very carefully to Mr. Kimura's statement of apology and found it very, very sincere, humble, and revealing. And this happened to be the first time that we've heard those words, and they really touch you at the heart of the thing. The French president, Francois Hollande, has called for a fully-fledged government for the Eurozone with a budget and a parliament. The comments came as Greek banks prepared to reopen later today for the first time in three weeks. From Paris, here's the BBC's Hugh Schofield. President Hollande was writing in a Sunday newspaper in an article marking the 90th birthday of one of the fathers of the single currency, Jacques Delors. Paying tribute to the former head of the Brussels Commission, the president said that the Greek crisis had showed once again the need for tighter organization among the countries that have the euro. 